0: But uh, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to John chapter 4. John chapter 4 is where we're going to be this morning. I'm titling the, this title of this message is called, It's Harvest Time. Look at somebody next to you, tell them, it's harvest time. Look at the person next to you, go, dun, 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 harvest time. All right, so. (laughs) Oh, we're starting off bad already. All right, so. John chapter 4, verse 37, actually reading out the message translation. This is, a, this is a story of Jesus that was having an encounter with a woman at the well. And uh, I, wanna, I want you to read this with me. Uh, normally men didn't talk to women, so this is a big deal for Jesus to be stopping at this well, having this conversation with this woman. And it says this, just then his disciples came back and they were shocked because they couldn't believe he was talking with that kind of woman. Not, not one, no one said what they were thinking, but their faces showed it all. Come on, how many, how many of you got a face like that? Your face shows it all. You don't even have to say anything. How many married to somebody like that? They don't even have to say it. You just look at it and are like, oh, Jesus, help us. Help us. So these guys come back. They come back from, from, this, from, from where they are, and they come back from getting food, and here she is talking to a woman, and they got this face. They're not saying it, but they got the face. Because they got the face, the woman took the hint. And she left. And in her confusion, she left her water pot. Now look at the next one. Since back in the villages, she told the people, come see a man who knew all about the things I did, who knows me inside and out. Do you think that this could be the Messiah? And they went out to see for themselves. And in the meantime, the disciples pressed him, Rabbi, eat. Aren't you going to eat? Watch what he says. So he tells them, I got food to eat. You know nothing about. The disciples were puzzled, thinking, who in the world brought him a Big Mac? We went to go get food. Who brought him food? And here we are. He says, well, oh, guys, listen, who could have brought him some food? Jesus said, the food that keeps me going is that I do the will of the one who sent me, finishing the work that he started. Now, look at this next verse. And as you look around right now, wouldn't you say that in about four months, it'll be time to harvest? Well, I'm telling you to, everybody help me with these three words. Let's do it one more time. Ready? Open your, eyes. Open your eyes and take a good look at what's right in front of you. These Samaritan fields are ripe. Ready? Here we go. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. Father, we love you. God, in this moment, we, we ask that you would download into our hearts all that you have for us. God, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. Um, God, uh, that, that, that this would not just be information, but that this would be a revelation that would lead to us having a transformation in our hearts and souls. God, we thank you, Lord, for all that you want to do today. Lord, we thank you so much for this beautiful weather. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen. Hey, listen, if you don't thank, thank God for it, he'll take it. Okay, so thank God for the beautiful weather. How many of you in here wear glasses or contacts? Raise your hand, glasses, come on! I'm not the only blind one, all right. So many of you four eyes. Okay, we're all, we're in this thing together. Welcome to our Savior's Church. We're glad you're here. Now, I don't know if you know this about uh, optometry and if you've ever been to the eye doctor. The eye doctor and all that, their terminology is so jacked up. I think it's so jacked up. Uh, it, when, if you can't see far, they call it nearsighted. Who came up with this stuff? Nearsighted means I can't see far, but far-sighted means I can't see near. near. And, and, and I remember when I started realizing that I really needed glasses, it was, it was the day when I couldn't see the street signs. Anybody been there before? You start seeing those street signs like, what street is that? What, where am I at? And I remember going into the eye doctor and getting the test and then them telling me, yeah, you're sight. And I'm thinking, no, I can see. I see this. I can read this. And they're like, no, no, no. i got to explain it to you. It means you can't see far and there's certain things you can't see. And I remember they got me my glasses and I put them on and I walked outside of that eye you know, clinic and it was like everything was in 3D. I was like, what? High definition. And you all know, remember that day you walked out and you're like, I have been missing out on all of the world. There's colors I've never seen. That's a tree. Wow. I thought that was a sign the whole time. Okay. You're seeing things. How, how many of you, how many of you, you, can't see near, raise your hand. You can't see near things that are close. How many of you, you can't see far. Okay. How many of you can't see, you just can't see at all. <laughs> I don't know. I saw some of y'all, y'all were like, yeah, I'm just all in. I'm all in. I can't see Jack. All right. Um, so I got a good radio voice, so that's okay. So they, uh, they, we, we all have, you know, usually some vision problems. And I think that can correlate over into the spiritual. And this story kind of correlates into that when it comes to the ability to see. One of the things that Jesus tells his disciples is, I want you to open your eyes. You need to open your eyes and you need to see something that you're not seeing. See, the guys had just come back from lunch they were hungry, so they went to lunch, and they come back, and they're coming back to bring Jesus some lunch, and Jesus is sitting there having a conversation with a woman that he probably shouldn't be having a conversation, at least culturally should not be having a conversation. Men didn't speak to these type of women that were Samaritans, and it, it, this woman wasn't just any regular woman. This was a woman who, was, who had been around the block a couple of times. Bible says that she had had five wives, and that the husband, I mean five wives, that'd be another. <laughs> That's another translation. All right, so five husbands, and, uh, and that the one that she was with wasn't even her husband. And so here we are. It's just a really awkward situation. The guys stroll up, and it says that Scripture says, you, you, they didn't say anything, but their faces said something. And so here they are. There. I mean, the first thing that they tell Jesus after the woman leaves is not, why were you talking to this woman? What's up? The first thing they say is, why aren't you going to eat? We brought you some food. Why don't you eat? See, because those, the disciples were meal that, that all they could think about was the meal, but Jesus was always thinking about the mission. And you know oftentimes we can be so consumed and see what's right in front of us, but we don't open our eyes to see what is right in front of us down the road. that there's people that they are in front of us. all we can see is what I want, but we don't see what others need. Are y'all with me today? This is an, an issue in our lives that oftentimes even as Christians, as followers of Jesus, that we can be serving and following Jesus simply for the fact that we just want Him to bless us. Not realizing that God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. God wants you to lift up your eyes and open your eyes to see that there's other people that are around you. And it's amazing when you finally have an encounter with God. This is for, for all those that have been here, maybe that have gone through freedom. How many in here have gone through freedom? Raise your hand. Okay, a lot of y'all. How many of you, when you came out of Freedom Weekend, you look back at your life and you go, there were some things I saw that were blurry that weren't good and now I see clear. I saw some things, some new things in my life. I'm seeing people in a new realm before. I'm seeing my relationships in a new way and so that's kind of our prayers that we would be able to see it. Our passion as a church, from the beginning when Pastor and Miss Tracy started it, it's been the mission from the last, for the last 18 years, is to reach people and, and build lives. That people would know God and find freedom and discover their purpose and make a difference. But, but here's what I want you to know when it comes to reaching people. We exist as a church not just for the people that are here in this room, and I'm glad you're here in this room, but we as a church exist for those who are not in this room yet. And and let me tell you something. You can't reach people you can't see. You might want to write that down. Write write, write that down with me. You can't reach what you can't see. So the first thing that we've got to ask God is God, just give me eyes to see people like you see them. Because Jesus saw this woman... These guys undoubtedly had crossed paths with this woman, but there was something that Jesus saw in this woman that the other guys didn't see. Come on, if we got to be a church that really reaches people, we got to see people first before we can reach people. This is where it begins. And I think if Jesus was standing here right now, if Jesus could be here, he would tell you, open your eyes. Look at the people that are around you. I've put them in your life for a reason. God wants us to see that. But then he switches gears with these guys, and he starts going from what you see and what you eat to he starts talking about harvest, now, for all of us in here, many of us don't understand harvest terminology. I mean, we're, we're, many of you know about apps, but you don't know about farming. How many of you actually have a farm, like you actually farm? There's a couple of guys, there's one in here. I'm not talking about like cucumbers in the backyard, okay? I'm talking about like a real, okay, Galen knows. And so when, 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 when you hear this terminology of farming and that, hey, listen, you say four months to harvest, I'm saying, no, 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 it's harvest time now, now, this for, for us in here, we're like, yeah, harvest time. It sounds good. We, like, make it spiritual. But I guarantee you, harvest time for a farmer means, what does it mean, Galen? <laughs> work. It means I got to get up before everybody else. It means I work later than everybody else, but it means I work harder than everybody else because I've got to get the work in to actually get the harvest. It's great to hear about it, but if I actually want it, I've got to go get it. And as a church, this is what Jesus is telling us. Listen, he's saying, listen, y'all, it is harvest time right now. And we're like, yeah, harvest time. You don't know what you're clapping about. It's time to get to work. How many of you know yesterday for the egg drop took some work? All those that showed up with your kids, you're like, this is awesome. We were like, dear God, when is this going to be over with? "Ah." Come on, I'm just saying what all y'all were thinking. I saw your face, right? And yet we celebrate and we're all excited, which by the way, I just got to tell you this, this is so cool. I, I, I got a story yesterday of a family that came up to one of our guys and they said, hey, just want to let you know, we have, we have family here in Jennings, but we're not here from Jennings. We actually live in Georgia and we fly every year to Jennings to be a part of the egg drop. <laughs> what? So I never want to hear you complain you drove to, from on, okay? I don't want to. <laughs> call me when you fly from Alaska, and then we'll talk about it. But listen, I am so, I'm so fired up for Easter. I think it's harvest time. I mean, come on, listen, our church is growing. Some of y'all are having a hard time finding a seat. We're growing. Come on, how many of y'all, it's a good problem. It's a great problem. We want to reach people. But it takes work. Easter next week, and I'm excited. I'm glad you're excited. I mean, it's going to be great. People are going to give their lives to the Lord. We're going to see this place packed out. We'll probably have more people than we've ever had in the history of our church. But can I tell you, y'all love it. I hate it. Four services. That's That's work. Our dream team has to put in the work to make it happen. But we don't do it just to do it. We do it because God has called us to do it. So you might get tired in it, but you never get tired of it. Come on, somebody. Because people matter to God. People matter to us. And so harvest time, it's, it's work. It's work. It's work. But that's all right. God's called us for this time. It's harvest time for us to go to work. So with that, uh, I, I want to talk about how do we as a church position ourselves getting ready for the biggest Sunday of the year to reach more people than we ever have this year. Um, And the way that we do that is a simple way. Now, survey says that there's 11% of people that are Christians that really have the gift of evangelism, like sharing their faith. They love sharing their faith with people. 11% of people have that, which tells me 89% of people, 89% of y'all probably in this room have a hard time sharing your faith with people, have a hard time really connecting with people in that way. And so I want to do today is I want to help you. Help us. Learn how to reach people in a way that's not weird. Come on, how many know some weird people that have done weird things? They like say weird things. I'm not, you're not, I'm not gonna show you how to like stand up on Main Street with a box. You know, we're not doing any of that. I'm not gonna show you. I'm not nothing weird. There is a simple strategy that God used, that Jesus actually used to reach people. And how you many know if Jesus modeled it? It's meant for us. So I want us to go to Scripture and find out how do we reach people the way that God has. Now God has called us to be a blessing. How many know God has called us as a church to be the biggest blessing in Jennings and in Jeff Davis Parish than than, than anybody? We want to be the biggest blessing. We want this is our prayer. We want that if our Savior's Church no longer existed, our city would cry because of all that we do for it. That's our prayer that we make such an impact. That the people around here would miss us. I'm going to tell you, there's some churches, a lot of churches that have folded that nobody even knew that they folded. We're going to make such an impact that people are, are, are changed when they experience our church. Not because our church is great, but because our God is great. Amen. Come on, somebody. And so this is a time for us to be a blessing. But here's, I want you to, I want, I want to maybe change the way you pray. You, you need to pray, God bless me. But you need to pray that God not just bless you with what you need. You need to pray that God blesses you with more than you need so you can be a blessing. Amen. Yes. So that's my prayer. God, God, give me more resources than I need so I can give more. God, God give me more time. Give me more, more, uh, more leadership. Give me more uh, everything that I want. God, give it to me in abundance so that I can be a greater blessing. And so uh, this strategy that we have in reaching people is what I call the blessed strategy. Um, it's an acronym. it's going to be b l e s s. so it's going to be simple and and really, we just use it to help you remember how to do this. So we're going to start with B. and the first B is to begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. the The very first thing that you've got to do, if you want to reach people, if you've got a neighbor or a spouse or a coworker, Man, they just need Jesus. I want to reach this person. I want to see them come to know Jesus. It starts with prayer. How many of you know everything starts with prayer? How many got the pray first bracelet? Everybody got the pray first bracelet? If you got it, we pray first. Only reason I don't have it on is because it broke the other day. And so, uh, I normally wear mine all the time, and it just reminds me that in everything that I've got to do, I've got to pray first. I want to, I want to show you this scripture, because this is how Jesus started. Before Jesus ever really did any ministry, I want you to notice the first thing that he did in Luke. Watch, watch what this verse says. Luke chapter 6, it says, one day soon after, Jesus went up to a mountain to pray, and he Prayed. To God all night. And at daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be his apostles. So before Jesus did anything, he said, man, I'm going to need a team. I can't do this all alone. He says, man, in order for me to choose my team, man, I better go spend some time with the Father. I need to really find out who these guys need to be. How many know that's a big decision? Because these 12 guys, you're leaving all of this to them. All of the Christianity that's going to go throughout the rest of the world is going to hinge on 12 dudes. And how many you know that Jesus didn't pick the Pharisees? He didn't pick a priest. He didn't, get, he didn't pick a spiritual, any spiritual people. He picked fishermen that flunked school. How many of you got hope today? <laughs> he picked a tax collector who was ripping people off. You! You look like a great you're on my team. Come on. Me? He was like, me? Yeah, you. Me? He gotta be talking to you. Me? No, you! You're on my team. Jesus chose the, the people that nobody else would choose. The rejected and the hurt and the marginalized and teenagers at that. That's why all throughout his his three years with these guys, he's always going. Come on, guys, seriously? Come on, guys, seriously? What's going on? Are y'all ever gonna get it? No, they're teenagers, they don't get it. (laughs) But this is what happens. He continues to repeat himself and pour his life into 12, but it it began with prayer, begins with prayer. And I'm gonna tell you, if you wanna reach people, it begins with prayer. One of the things that I teach our guys in our herd gatherings is what we call a hit list. And a hit list is, I I tell our guys all the time, and I, I got one, I got in a journal of names of people that are in my life that I want to see come to know the Lord. People that I, I just feel like these people are close to me, dear to my heart. God, I want to see these people give their hearts to Jesus. And so I write their names out and I, I make a commitment to pray for these people often. And I got guys all in our church and maybe some of y'all do this as well that just pray and pray and pray and pray. And maybe it's a son or a daughter or maybe it's a coworker or maybe it's a boss or a family member or that crazy uncle that just needs Jesus. Um, but somebody, you're praying and praying. I got one of our guys in here that, that, uh, that does this pretty often. And uh, last week he came up to me and uh, we were in the hallway out there and we are, we're talking and this couple comes in and he says, oh, BJ, man, I got to introduce you to this couple. So I get, you get introduced to this couple and then, and then they walk past and he looks at me and he says, man, guess what? They're on my hit list. Yeah. I thought, come on now. That's awesome. That's awesome. And how many know during that service you're looking when they says all heads bowed, all eyes closed? You're like, you're, you know, you're looking over. They are gonna raise a hand. They are not gonna raise. You're looking. You're looking to see. We all need a hit list. Some of you have been on my hit list. <laughs> so just you can blame Jesus on that one. Um, you're here. Um, God has called us to pray. Can I can I take it even another step further? You ever had somebody come up to you and be like, "Man, you're like, hey, man, how you doing?" They're like, "Man, listen, I got this going on. My back's hurting. I got all this." And as Christian people, what do we say? Oh, you know, yeah, you all Christianese, Y'all know that. Man, I'm just praying for you. Hope it gets better. Gonna go eat. All right. So, can I take it up another level? Can we, in those moments, instead of just saying, "Hey, I'll pray for you," can we say, "Hey, can we pray?" What would it look like in that moment if we stopped and said, Hey, can we just pray right now? Let's just, let's just pray over this situation. Mean, How many of you know people are constantly sharing their stuff with you? What would it look like if they just said, Hey, man, can we just pray? Hey, man, I got this issue with my husband, man. He's a jerk. I don't want to. Can we just pray? No, I don't want to pray for him. Pray he gets hemorrhoids. That's all I'm praying. <laughs> that's some of y'all's honest prayers. Y'all know that's y'all's prayers. We'll just pray. I'm telling you, there's power in prayer. Y'all believe there's power in prayer? I mean, can we just stop and just believe that God could heal them in that moment? How many of you know when you say, I'm praying for you, you ain't praying for them? You'd be like, Jesus, I don't even remember who I said I was gonna pray for. Okay. I do the same thing. So man, I I have been committed more and more to say, you know what, let's, can we pray right now? Because if I'm being honest, I probably won't pray for you later. But I I, want to get in the habit of that man, what would it look like you down in Walmart? Somebody come up to you and go something. You're like, let's pray now. And they're like, in the bean aisle? Yes. In the bean aisle. Let's, I mean, I think God shows up in the bean aisle just as much as he shows up in church. Come on, somebody. So we're going to pray. So here's the next step. Ready? Here's, here's the next step. Cause I, I want to make this extremely practical. All right. Who do I need to share? I mean, uh, sorry. Who do I need to begin to pray for on a daily basis? Maybe right now you're thinking of somebody. Write them down on that card. Maybe later today, just, just spend some time. Maybe this week as we get pre- prepared for Easter, just write down some names. Man, God, I just want to see these people come to know you and pray and pray and pray. Number two, L, look for opportunities. Look for opportunities. Let's read Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 says, one day on our way. Everybody say on our way. On our way. Highlight that. Underline that. Circle that. On our way way. On our way to, where Where are they? Where was Paul going? Place of prayer. He was going to church. On my way to church. Watch this. I'm on my way to church and a slave girl runs into us. Underline that or circle that. She runs into us. Now watch this. She was a psychic and with her fortune telling made a lot of money for people who owned her. And she started following Paul around, calling everyone's attention to us by yelling out, these men are working for the Most High God. They're laying out the road of salvation for you. But she was doing it not in that way. You think, man, that sounds pretty good. This is the, they're working for the Most High. This is what she's doing. They're working for the Most High God. Laying out the road for you. That's how she was saying it. She was mocking them. I don't know if it was that way, but it was, I don't know. She was get—she got a little ghetto. I don't know. So anyway, <laughs> listen to me. I'm going to tell you something. All right. So she, all, all we know, she don't, we know that she was a psychic Well, let me finish the story and I'll show you. She did this for what? A number of days. Like, she's a stalker now. (laughs) Finally, Paul was fed up with her and he turned and he commanded the spirit that possessed her out in the name of Jesus, get out of her. And it was gone just like that. So they're on their way to church. Going to the house of prayer, psycho, crazy, demonic woman comes up and starts ragging them. Look at y'all, most high God, look at you, going and paving the way for everybody. How excited. And it says that they just ignored her and went on to the place of prayer. The next day they come back to go to church, just trying to go to church. And here it is, psycho, demonic, crazy woman following her around all over. Look at these guys going most high. It says they did that. For a number, She was a stalker. She's stalking them for a number of days, following them, teasing them. Finally, Paul says, I got enough. Speaks to her and says, come out in the name of Jesus. And now we know she was also demon possessed. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I can be what we, what I would like to call a, a selective stopper. That while I'm on my way doing things, there are certain people that I meet maybe at Walmart and I'm like, yeah, hey, and we talk for 30 minutes. There's other people I go down aisle seven. And as I'm going down, I'm like, nope, not tacos tonight. All right. (laughs) Come on. I mean, no, you see somebody down that aisle and you're like, nope, not stopping for that one. I mean, no, we are selective stoppers. There's people you want to talk to. And there's people you're like, I hope I don't see that person again. And here we are, Paul and them are on their way to church. Going to go get my church on, man. they just praising Jesus, getting ready, to get their church on. And as they're on their way to Jesus, here comes demonic, crazy woman, Always in their way. But can I say this? When you're on your way, God will always put people in your way. Because what's in you, they need. What's in you, they need. You look at it as a distraction. You look at it as, man, I don't want to have to deal with that. But you don't realize it's a divine setup that God's putting in your path. You show up to work and it's that guy. You're like, oh, I don't want to work with him. And your boss is like, hey, y'all partnering together. And you're like, no, 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 no. You're like, y'all are going to be working together on this project. I need to, no, I quit, I quit. <laughs> now, realizing that this person who is in your way is actually a divine appointment. You go and you read this story. This woman gets delivered from this demon. And then she becomes one of the founders of the Ephesus church with the Philippian, I mean the Philippian church with the Philippian jailer. She becomes one of the core members of the beginning of the Philippian church. As you're on your way, God will put people in your way. Have y'all noticed that before? Have you ever noticed it after it was, you passed it up, that you look back and you're like, that was a moment I missed. I've had so many of those where I'll be, whether that's at Walmart or whether that's at the gas station or whether it's just driving somewhere, a restaurant, and someone will come up to me and they'll start sharing stuff. And I'm thinking, I just want to eat. Like, I just want to eat. I really don't want to talk to you right now. And then after it's all said and done, I'll think, man, I should have talked to them. They were pouring their heart out. That was a moment. And God will slap me up the side. You missed it. You missed it. And, and oftentimes, remember, because we are so farsighted, we only see close. We don't see what's in front of us because we're so busy doing what we do. We're, we're, we got to go get in and we got to get out. We got to, we, we live that way. We're always in a rush. We're always going, these guys are going, to, and these guys are going to church of all things. And here we are on their way to church. And God says, yeah, you're going to deal with this woman. Like, uh, I really don't want to. And we are. We are selective stoppers. Because all the crazy women, you just, you just send those to me and Pastor Bubba. That's what you do. You send all those. Hey, uh, you need to talk to my pastor. Uh, here we go. But I want, I want to encourage you to begin to look for people, your family members, your coworkers, your neighbors. Can we, can we just refuse to be a church that's not going to let one person go unseen, unnoticed, unloved? Unloved. That every person that walks into this church, they're going to be greeted well. They're going to be warmly welcomed. You see somebody sitting by yourself, you say, hey, come sit with me. You don't don't. Because the truth is, in a room this size with this many people, which looks like everybody knows each other, there are more people right now that are battling depression and loneliness in the middle of a bunch of people. And you don't even realize it. Looking for opportunities. Looking for opportunities. So what's the next step on this? Who is in your way that needs your time, attention, or ear? Can I even say this? It may be your children. You may be so busy with work or so busy with whatever going on. It might be your own kids that are going, "Hey, I'd like some time. I'd like some attention." It might not even be just lost people. It just might be might be your wife, it might be your husband, it might be family. But who needs your attention? Here's the next one. So bless, begin with prayer, look for opportunities. This one you're going to love. This is one of my favorites. Eat with them. Come on, somebody. How many of you say, I'll take that one. I got that one. Okay, I can. Do you know that one of the number one strategies that Jesus used to reach people was he ate with them? Did you realize that? One of the things that Jesus was constantly made fun of was that he ate with people that they felt like he shouldn't have been eating with. Well, let me give you a story. Watch watch, watch how this plays out with Matthew. One of the guys, one of his disciples that's on his team, watch how he gets him. So later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home. Remember that story I said when he chose Matthew? Matthew, you're going to follow me. Well, it says Matthew invites Jesus now to his home as, as dinner guests. So he says, come on. Matthew's like, hey, I'm gonna throw a party. Come on, I want you to come. Jesus, bring all your boys. We're gonna come. We're gonna have a party. How many know Jesus loves to party, by the way? He's a party guy. He loves parties. He's always showing up at parties. And he's along now. Now, here's, here's all the, the guests that are at the party, though. There's there's some tax collectors. They were hated by people. And other disreputable sinners. How I many know that party was thrown off? Okay, that was this wasn't this wasn't a Christian party. Okay, this was this was a crazy party. And yet, watch, but when the Pharisees saw this, so the religious people saw what was going on, they asked his disciples, now watch their demeanor. Why does your teacher eat with such scum? That's how they viewed these people. Man, those are like the scum of the earth. Why are, you, why are you hanging out with these people? Those are the rejected. Nobody wants to be with them. They rob, they steal, they, they live immorally. Why would, you, why would you go with these people? And I love what Jesus says. This is what Jesus says. He says, when Jesus heard this, he said, he healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Mic drop. Just walked away. I noticed that one of the ways that Jesus engages people is he just eats with them. Why? Because in those days, eating with people meant intimacy and relationship. You were building relationship. See, for us, we don't understand this because if you want something to eat, you go to McDonald's or you go to the drive-thru, you go to Popeye's, and it takes you 15 minutes, and you eat your food, and then you go on to your day. In these days, if you wanted to have a meal, it was like four or five hours. You had to prepare it all, and you had to have, and how many know in four or five hours, you're having conversations so here's the question. When's the last time you shared a meal with someone who was not of the faith? When's the last time you sat down across from somebody who didn't vote the way that you vote and didn't look the way that you looked and you tried to engage their will to find out their viewpoint and where they are? I, I think God is calling us as a people to not only pray for people and not only look for opportunities, but to eat with people. Because in these concepts, when you're eating with people, you get to share your life. They get to share their life with you. And as they're sharing their life with you, you're gonna learn something, which is the S, which is a way to serve them. Because as they're sharing their life with you, they're also probably sharing the areas where they need help. And this is the opportunity for us to serve them. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, we are, today's Palm Sunday. We're celebrating the week leading up to Jesus' crucifixion. On Thursday, we will celebrate uh, the, the Last Supper and the Passover that Jesus had with his disciples And I shared this this past week in our midweek devotionals um, about just something that God really was pricking my heart on when it came to the idea of the Last Supper. You know, in the Last Supper, when the guys came into the room, they came into the room and sat down at the table. The problem was they didn't do what was etiquette. See, at that time, when you would go into a room, they usually would have a servant that would be sitting there at the door with a basin. And the basin was there to clean your nasty, funky feet, because how many you know, they didn't have Reeboks and Adidas and Nike. They had, some, they had some, some sandal Pumas, okay? That's all they had. Or bare feet. And they didn't have cars. So they were walking in the nastiest stuff. And in, that, in those traditions, you would have a servant girl or a servant boy that would wash the guests' feet as they would come to the table. So, because you're sitting at a table with one another and you don't want their feet anywhere near you. So they would wash them. Well, as the disciples are all walking into this place, no one's there to wash anybody's feet, so they just go ahead and stroll up to the table. The Bible says that Jesus gets up from the table, and he puts on a towel, and he grabs the basin, and he goes around. And I was thinking about this. What an incredible final life lesson for these guys of why he was here in the first place. Think about this, before he goes to the cross, the very final lesson he gives these guys is, even the King of Kings can wash feet. Even the King of Kings is not, this is not below him. He can serve. And think about this. He washes the feet of Judas who is about to betray him. I don't know about y'all, but if I'm Jesus and I know this guy's about to betray me and I'm about to go on the cross, I'm taking his head and putting it in the basin. <laughs> Wait until the bubbles stop. Right? Peter's going to, okay, all right, don't be spiritual in here. You know you do that. (laughs) Peter's going to deny him three times. Be like, Peter, come here, I need to wash your feet. You too, all right. (laughs) All of his disciples are going to abandon him. And yet he knows all this, and yet he chooses to wash their feet, which shows me. That sometimes the hardest people for us to serve are the people who have hurt us the most. But they are the ones who need it the most. Are you with me? God has called us as a church to serve the lonely and the least. He's called us to serve the hurting and the broken. Even the ones that have hurt you, God has called you to serve. The Bible would say this, for us to love our enemies been dealing with one of my boys this week about bullying. Not that he was doing the bullying, but someone was doing the bullying to him. And I said, you know what Jesus' model is on how you deal with a bully? You bless them. And you love them. And you do more for them in a way that heaps, the Bible says, heaps coals on their head. And you love them. Because your identity is not based off of what they say to you. Your identity is based off of who Jesus has called you to be. And hurt people only hurt people because they're hurt. And I'm going to tell you right now, there are people that have been hurt. They've been hurt by the church. They've been hurt by people. They've been hurt by a marriage. They've been hurt by a boss, a coworker. We've got a lot of hurt and broken people around here. What would it be like if we just served with no strings attached? One of the biggest things I heard yesterday from people, this is for free. Like, I don't have to pay for this? No, you don't. No strings attached. You don't even have to come to our church. We love for you too, but you don't have to. We just want to love you. We just want to serve you. What, who, who is it that God has called you and I to serve? Watch, watch what this next verse says. It says in 1 Corinthians 9, 19, it says, I've become just about every sort of servant there is. This is Paul writing. Here's, here's why I've become that. It's in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. Why does our dream team get up here at, <laughs> so early in the morning and lead all day, all through all three services, and they'll be the last ones to leave and they'll lock up? Why do they do that? Because their passion is to see people meet a God-saved life. This is why we do what we do. This is why we add services. This is why we, this is why we serve, because Jesus has served us. How many glad you got a Savior who serves you? Not because you deserve it either, but because he loves you. He serves you. And out of that, we serve. I did all of this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Come on, how many know we we don't want to just be the church that talks about it? We want to be the church that bees in on it. That is terrible language, but it sounds good, all right? (laughs) We want to bees in on it. Be in on it. I don't want to just talk about loving people. I want to love people. I don't want to just talk about let's, reaching people and building lives. Like, I don't want to just say it. Let's do it. And by the way, we are. You are. This is what God has called us to do, to serve. This house is a serving house. This is what we call to do. And think about it. Next weekend, we will celebrate Jesus dying on the cross and rising again from the grave. And I'm going to tell you, Jesus didn't suffer and give his life on the cross so you and I could sit in a seat. Are y'all with me here? He has called us not to go to church, but to be the church to this broken and hurting world, and they're depending on you and I to step up and be who we say we are. And it starts with us serving. It's not about titles. It's about a towel. It's not about your ability. It's about uh, your availability. Write this down. Saved people, serve people. But let me continue this. So that served people will become saved people. I'm going to say it one more time. Saved people serve people so that the served people will become saved people. That's our hope. That's our prayer. That's our why. That's what motivates us. So let's ask this question. What is a practical way I can serve someone this week who is far from Christ? What is a practical way this week that you can serve someone that is far from from Christ, serve, serve, serve. And here's the crazy thing about when you serve other people, it's usually contagious. I, I was talking to my brother-in-law the other day, uh, just earlier this morning. He was telling me, he said, "Hey, we were, we were we were on our honeymoon. We were at uh, this this um, at a restaurant, and the waitress asked us what we were doing, and we told him we just was on our honeymoon, and told him about our faith and where we were and what God was doing in our life. And the 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 lady came back and said, I want to bless y'all.'" Like, you don't have to pay for this. I'm paying for it. And so he said, so my sister and him uh, talked and said, well, we've been blessed. We need to go bless somebody else now. So they went into the city and found a guy that was doing balloons and stuff. And they gave him $20 and said, we just want to be a blessing to you. And the guy says, well, because you do that, the next 20 kids that come up, I'm going to give them free balloons. And I think about, I wonder how long that went on. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I wonder how long, this week, you know, you go in the drive-thru, you pay for your food, and then, hey, I'm going to pay for the person behind me. Here, here, here's a card. Tell them Jesus loves them. I've heard of those things going on for a long time. What what if it would be like we find just random acts to serve and be kind to people? I want to challenge you with that this week. Let me give you S, the last S, and that is you share your story with them. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, now watch this, watch what it says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is our hope for Easter, that everyone, 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 everyone who comes into this church and calls on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. But how does that happen? Watch this. I'm going to tell you how. How can they call on him to save them unless they, say it out loud, believe Believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard heard about him? And how can they even hear about him unless someone? Okay, now I want you to hear me on this. The Bible says that the gospel is called the good news. And good news has to be declared. You've got to demonstrate it and you've got to proclaim it. Demonstration and proclamation, they go hand in hand. It's crazy though, Christian people think if I just live like Christ, that I don't have to talk about Christ. It doesn't work that way. I've never had someone come up to me at the restaurant and say, Hey, excuse me. Uh, I noticed you didn't buy a beer. Tell me about Jesus. (laughs) I've never had someone do that. I've never been outside playing with my boys. And someone walk over, hey, you know, I just saw you're there with your kids. You're here. Tell me about Jesus. Like I've never, I've never had that opportunity happen. I've never, I've never had that. But I, I have, this is what I have heard Hey, we've been watching your story with your little son and what God is doing in his life. And I just want you to know that brings a lot of encouragement to us. Man, uh, man, I can't, how is he doing? And I go, hey, you want to know how he's doing? Let me tell you what God's doing here. And now it gives me an opportunity to share the goodness of God. Which by the way, Joel got the best report this week ever. Yeah. And his starts doing better. Yeah. Bless our heart. And uh, you can be celebrating and praying with us. In June, June 18th, we are flying to Colorado to get his pump out. hopefully for good. It'll be awesome. awesome.. Oh, yeah, we're excited. God is good. God is so good. God is so good. Write this down: Living like Christ does not remove our responsibility to verbally share our faith. Rather, it gives us the opportunity. See, when I live for Jesus, it doesn't mean now I don't have to talk about him. It just now gives me the opportunity to talk about him. Because when people go to your work and they go, you used to be angry all the time and you used to cuss people out and you don't do that anymore and you're now. Why? And you go, I'm glad you asked. I'm in love with a man. And they're like, what the heck's going on here? <laughs> His name's Jesus. Okay, don't get weird. No. <laughs> but listen. Living like Christ doesn't move your responsibility. It just gives you the opportunity. How many of you people have noticed your life has changed? Anybody in here? They've, and they've told you that's your opportunity. You say, man, it's, listen, I'm not that good, but Jesus is. He's so good. He can heal the broken marriages. He can restore the broken homes. This is what he does. Give an opportunity to share your faith. John chapter 4 now, it says this, and we'll wrap it up. It says... This is the the final the the end of that story with the woman at the well. So the woman goes back into the city. She declares to the city all that Jesus has done. In John chapter four, in end of it, says, "And many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because what the woman what said. had said." Notice she had to say something. All uh, many of the, of the of the Samaritans are now believing in Jesus because of what this woman has said. He told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see them, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two more days long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. And Look at the next verse. It says, then they said to the woman, now watch this. So they believed in Jesus because of what that woman said. But now when they actually encountered Jesus and Jesus stayed over and Jesus started sharing with them personally, it says, now we believe not just because of what you have told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. And how many know that's our prayer every weekend? That people wouldn't just hear about God through you, but they would encounter God for themselves. We have heard Him for ourselves, and now we know that He is indeed the Savior of the world. Now, I want you to listen to me real quick, and then we're going to wrap up. Your story of what God has done in your life is a gift to the world, but it's not a gift. If you don't share it. And the enemy is going to do everything that he possibly can to get you to think that nobody needs to hear your story. He's going to get you to think nobody needs to hear about that. Nobody, nobody, nobody's going to be encouraged by that. Or he's going to get you to think that your story is not a good story. Listen, if anybody's got the most boring story, it's me. I was raised in church. I literally came out of my mom saying, Jesus. I mean, I was, it wasn't, but it was close. I, mean, I was raised in church my whole life. My grandmother was a worship leader. My, my parents loved Jesus. I went, to, I went to private school my entire life. I've never done drugs. I've never drank alcohol ever. I saved myself. I never had sex before my wife. I didn't do anything. I was like the golden child. And I thought to God, he is so honored to have me on his team. I mean, he's got to deal with all these sinners, but he's got me. I mean, he should be excited. And you know what it was? It was my pride. You know what Jesus saved me from? My religiousness, my self-righteousness. See, some of y'all, he saves you from your, from your sins of commission meaning you you went and did drugs and you slept around and you know you have a past that man you really don't want people you're shameful of. He, he saved me of sins of omission. He saved me from things that I, I, I should have been doing but I wasn't doing. He saved me from myself. See I thought I was my own savior. I thought I was going to get into heaven just because i just been good. I didn't, God I didn't do all these bad things like all these other crazy people that are on your team. I mean God you should be proud of me. And I realized that my performance was about this much to Jesus, that me and all of my Christian upbringing was still honestly, probably farther from God than other people. See, because I knew all the right things to say. See, I was raised in the Christian house. I knew how to raise my hand and I knew, I knew, and I also knew how to hide. And I knew how to put the mask and I knew what the things to say. So if there's anybody that's got a story that's the most boring, it's me. And yet here I am on a stage declaring to you that you have a story that God can use you. And I want to challenge you. One of the things that we want to do this week leading up to Easter is we want to share stories of what God's doing in the hearts and lives of people in our church. If If you right now are like, I need to share my story. I need you to hear me. You need to share it. Because the Bible says we overcome the enemy by the blood of the cross, by the word of our testimony, and that we did not love our lives even unto death. If there's anything that God wants to use right now is your story, can I tell you how many people I have met that come to our church now because they heard of the stories of the people in our house and what they were doing in here? They're like, Billy Knight goes to your church? Yes, he does. And he has been delivered. Come on, BK. (laughs) Some people walked into here and they're like, you go to church? Yeah. And they're like, you go to church? (laughs) I do now. It's amazing of what God is doing. Listen, nobody thought that this woman that had five husbands would give her heart to the Lord. And here she is with her sketchy, crazy past encounters Jesus, goes back and wins her city to the Lord. That could be you. That could be you. Your neighborhood could be waiting on you. Your workplace could be waiting on you. Your school, your classroom could be waiting on you. Like you are the gift. God has saved you so that you in return can then declare his goodness to others around you. So would you do this? Would you, would you just pray? Well, let's just pray right now. Father, we love you. God, we invite you in this moment. But God, I, I know how the enemy is. I, I know the lies he speaks. Man, I can't, I can't share my story. I can't, I can't share this shame. Well, God, we thank you that you have taken all the shame. You have removed the sting of guilt. God, you have replaced it with life with hope, with forgiveness. God, the, the, the heroes of our stories is not that we were good enough and we cleaned ourselves up. It's that we serve a Savior who cleaned us up. We serve a Savior who came in and He was the hero. And He took our, our self-righteous hearts and softened those. He, he took our lives that were so self-consuming and He, he flipped it around. God, we... We don't deserve your grace. We didn't earn your grace. And yet you, you pursue us and you love us. And you loved us when we were the most unlovable. It's what we celebrate in this Easter time, God, that our sin was so great, but your love was greater. So God, I pray today, Lord, as a church, that we would be compelled to share what you have done in our lives that we would be compelled to invite, we'd be compelled to pray and to look and to eat and to serve and to share because life is short and eternity is long. God, I pray, Lord, that there would be an urgency in our hearts. Even right now, God, you're you're, you're putting people's, you're putting people's names in people's minds right now. God, give us boldness. May next week, may your house be filled with people who are far from you. May people have an encounter with you. And may that start with us. God, we love you. We're so thankful for you. God, today we give you our hearts. We give you our lives. We give you everything. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, let's celebrate Jesus today. At this time, we're going to receive our tithes and offerings. If you want to go ahead and, and prepare to get that out. Thank you so much for your incredible generosity and all that you, you do and give in this house. And as we say, we, our prayer is God, just continue to bless us. But don't bless us so we can hoard it. Bless us so we can give it. How many of you know if you will not be a hoarder, but if you'll be a conduit, where blessings can flow. How many of you know God wants to get blessings to people that it'll flow through. If you're going to be a reservoir where you hold on to the blessings of God, He'll stop the supply. But if you'll be if you'll be an aqueduct, if you'll if you'll let it flow through you, God will continue to get it to you. And that's our prayer. God, just let us let it continue to flow through me. Everything that I have, God, is yours. I want it, I want it to flow. Let's keep the flow going. Father, we love you today. God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to give. Lord, it's one thing to say we love you. It's another thing to show it. God, we know where, where our treasure is. There we can find our heart. And so God, today, Lord, we, we, put our, we put our treasure where our heart is. God, we love you. And so today we honor you in our giving. God, I pray for every person in this room that is even struggling financially. God, that you would be their provider. God, we trust you. God, we thank you, Lord. God, continue to bless us so we can be a greater blessing to our city, to our churches, to the lost, to the broken, to the hurting, to those around us. God, use us this week in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.